Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Justin, it's been a long year. It's been a long December and November and October and September and August, July and June, May, April, March. March. And also the January oh, okay. that was after the December that was aforementioned in the and, February okay. and March that followed it. Good. All right. Good. We're good and on it's that. one no. more day no. stuck inside our house. Okay. You're just going to keep going. And it's one more night in Huntington. Okay. <laughs> uh my siblings and I have my siblings and I have taken to calling it March. March, it's just more March. It's just more March. It's just been more March ever since last March. So it's March. March. It's still March. Welcome to. Uh, uh, it's been a year. I wanted to take this opportunity to acknowledge the the year. I feel like that's important. <laughs> Credit where credit is due. You got the better of us. Well, it's one of those things where I think obviously there's been lots of articles about it, people talking about it. You know, it's, I'm not the first one to notice it. Everybody's noticing it. Uh, and I think it's like you want to avoid thinking about it too much. But at the same time, I really feel like it's important we engage with it. Because it's going to get you yeah, <laughs> if you don't. Get you. It's weird, Sid. I was, uh, you and I have talked about this at length, so I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But the days, so we had a very surreal experience where we, things were seeming fine with COVID. We mm -hmm. went on the uh, Joko cruise, came back, different country, didn't yes. rec unrecognizable. Everybody's in masks, there's no toilet paper anywhere. Um, yes. And that, I, I, I think trauma is probably overstating it, but it was definitely profound that return trip and those days are so crystallized those days following our our disembarkation mm -hmm. and re-entry into this new new world they're so crystallized that it feels like last week i remember the like the very first trip to, i took to cvs after we got back to try to find like toilet paper because we got all the toilet paper. We didn't get a crack at it um uh, but stuff like that like i remember it like it was yesterday it's like so cemented I agree with you that having experienced that same exact scenario with you, I, I, I do not feel that I had a, that that was traumatic. But I do think it's important to acknowledge the trauma that this year generally has inflicted on many, if not most of us. I, I do think that that word is not overstated to use in regard to 
a year of fear and loss and change and and it's all degrees, right? Anxiety. I mean, yeah. Obviously, Bruce McCullough says we all get through life scathed and unscathed in our own ways, and I feel like this is very much a situation that obviously there's people who've lost everything. There's people who've yes. lost their lives. There's people who've just been cranking it nonstop, twenty four seven, no holds barred. Um, they uh, are not the best people, but there's people who've been out there chopping it up and living it. So they've suffered very little because they just mm-hmm. went ahead with whatever they were doing. Yes, that uh, is true. That is true. Uh, in our own ways, maybe they were maybe they were moderately, mildly traumatized when the the waiter at at Captain D's made them put on a a mask or something like that. Well, I, it, I will say that yeah. Um, I don't. I don't have a lot of sympathy if your entire trauma is someone. <laughs> someone made me put a mask. Someone on made my, me put a mask on so that violated. my rights not to kill other people with a deadly virus were violated because I had to wear a mask. Yeah. And be a decent human. That is not exactly the trauma of which I speak. But I would like to first acknowledge that when I look back on our year of COVID coverage, mm-hmm. um, we, I like to think, have evolved in the way that science is supposed to evolve because as people have pointed out which is fair when we initially began to talk about the novel coronavirus that was happening in china (laughs) more than a year ago we did not see what was coming i certainly was not prescient with anything that i said Uh, i had no idea i had no obviously i had no thought that this is what would occur and I mean, and I, I, you know, not to beat myself up too much. I think most of us didn't. No, but yeah. I. What do you think? Uh, what do you think our our failing was? What do you think? What do you think you would do differently if you're in that situation again tomorrow? Because I have a th- I have a thought, but I'd like to know what what you think. Uh, I think that as much as I I gave myself credit for not necessarily assuming that all the systems work. Like for knowing better than that, for not trusting that just because we're told we're safe for all these reasons and all these systems are in place to protect us, that that we shouldn't trust that. I think on some level, I I still did. Um, and when so many, I mean, because like when we're talking about the coronavirus, there's two things to this in the United States. There's, I didn't see how bad this virus was going to be, which I think like you can't give me too much crap for because who. Very few people did. Very few experts in the world knew what was coming on that level. But then I also still didn't think we would be so absolutely terrible at managing that response. I I really didn't, even with someone in charge that I did not feel was competent, I still didn't think we'd. I thought there was other stuff. I thought other people. There was other. Th- there were other things that would keep it from getting. This I bad. would say. I would say that the in terms of it finding a foothold. I think that caught the globe by surprise because it's not like there was bad leadership in this country and good leadership in this country. Like on the immediate short term, like it won't get through our borders. You know, it won't arrive yeah. here because it arrived everywhere. It got. It, it got, got everywhere. There. I think. I th- I, I, yeah. I was, but I think it is. I overestimated, and shame on me. Yes, <laughs> for for uh, I overestimated the the. I I still assumed that there were adults in the administration at the time, and th- who would like 
take over and handle it. And in a way, we saw some of those, right? We got our we got Fauci. We got Fauci. Like that. But, but like, I, I really, I overestimated the extent to which we could believe. Well, believe is one because not everybody was caught as flat-footed as we were because there was people at the highest levels of government that knew exactly what was going to happen. I mean, maybe well, not exactly, but Fauci certainly. Knew. I, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't mean that in a mean way, but you know what? I mean, I'm certain that Fauci was in rooms telling people what was yes. happening yes. and trying to stop it. But the thing is, what it reminds us maybe more than anything is how linked we all are. Like, we are all linked to each other and our actions affect everyone around us. And you can't have one person who's standing there trying to tell everybody else the truth alone and make an impact. Yes. You know, you need more than one person. And... And I think there are a lot of people who have known this for a long time because they've suffered from the system that never did protect them. The, the system that we had in, that we had faith in that we thought, well, certainly it couldn't get that bad. Certainly there are things in place. There are a lot of people in this country who know that those things aren't in place or who know that the system is built to actively work against them if you're a black person in America. Yeah. So I, I think that... Um, I think that those are lessons learned. I, I like to think that at least I, I would never take down like old episodes we did where we were naive or ignorant to what was to come, um, because I like to hope that the way that we have evolved and the way we talk about it is the way that that mirrors the way that science should evolve. You get new data, you get new information, you take that in, you assess it and you change your, you know, your understanding of a topic as necessary. Mm -hmm. That is the way, oh, and that's the way we should all operate, right? Yeah. Ideally, <laughs> that is the way we should take in information. I did want to talk about sort of an update as to where we are now and then answer some questions we've gotten mm -hmm. recently uh, about COVID and the vaccines and everything. Can I talk about another bad thing before you do that? Yeah. Something that I just, and I, I don't know, we're kind of, this is a pretty open-ended one. It was kind of like a year-long retrospective. <laughs> Maybe a little bit cathartic. Yeah. I, I felt maybe that was necessary, not just for us, but for everybody, everybody out there. Especially living where we live, I have not enjoyed, I'm a humanist at, at heart, um, and it's, it's a tough, tough time for that the past four, five, however many years. And I have not enjoyed being able to instantly tell if the person I'm looking at is uh, a scumbag or not. I don't like that. I like to be able to, when you're living in our area, sometimes you see some, some challenging imagery on a t-shirt or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you want to say like, you know what? I'm going to give that person the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they're not so bad if I got to know them, blah, 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 blah. But when you see people in a store and they aren't wearing a mask, it's like, I don't like the instant sort of internal Rage. I mean, the internal flip I make on that human being, that fellow human being who I'm, I, I have challenged myself yeah. in my existence to try to love as many people as possible, and like to see people who I just know they suck. Like I instantly know you, they suck. I, I hate that feeling. I, I hate think it. I feel like we have not had to experience this much in our circle, but. If I had friends or family who totally didn't take it seriously and didn't do any of the stuff they were supposed to, um, I don't know how I would remain on speaking terms with them yeah. through this, uh, through this very specific. I mean, there are lots of, gosh, well, the, la the last... Last year has brought up lots of things like that, but we'll focus on COVID. Um, narrow narrow I, down that old friends list. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, out, I went about some of the, the, the chaff. But I, I definitely think that... Um, 
I, luckily, I have not had to lose anybody, I don't think, uh, over this specific issue. I, I, I found that most of the people that we associate with do believe in science, at least to some degree. Yeah. <laughs> Enough to wear a mask. Okay. Um, so the big buzz right now are, I would say, like the vaccines and then the new guidelines that just came out from the CDC, at least in this country. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you live outside the U.S., the new CDC guidelines are probably not as exciting or interesting or whatever emotion they evoke for you. Um, I'm not ignoring you on my computer. I'm pulling these up too so I can have yeah. them to reference. Well, let's start with that. Let's okay. start. I, I, I just changed my outline. We'll start with the CDC guidelines. Whoa. So, look, see, you think this year hasn't been tough? Sydney's changing outlines I just mid-recording. Changed my, I never change my outline. Never. This is like maybe the first time. She Sometimes remi- I might skip a chunk if I realize it's not very interesting She usually just fly, removes but. her own editing access to her Google document. No one can change <laughs> No one can change this outline. Down. No. Justin never changes an outline. Ever. What? Justin never? No. No. Oh, no. I've never. You no. don't Are even you type on me? them. I don't even like to see your little cursor appear on the Google Doc because <laughs> it stresses me out. Yeah. I, um, lo- I, I don't even log into my account when I look. It just says anonymous platypus or whatever so I can maintain plausible deniability. I, I am a We've con- been hacked, sweetie. It's Russia. Russia's looking at your notes. I'm a control freak about one thing. Okay. It's just, my, my podcast. Really? Just what? Just one thing? It's the most thing. Just so the new thing. CDC guidelines came out on March 8th, I believe. March 8th, and uh, this is for fully vaccinated people. And this has been the question, right? As soon as people started getting their vaccines, man, I love humans. I love humans. As soon as people started getting vaccinated, they started going, well, what can, what can I do now? Well, I did it. I got the vaccine. Look at my power. I'm well, my incredible I can, power. Where, where can I go? What can I do? Why are there no new? I need new rules. There need to be new rules for me. I can do stuff now. Yeah. Everybody wanted to know. And so the CDC was like, fine, here. Everybody calm down here. Uh, And so generally speaking, not to, you can read them, by the way, cdc.gov. You can go, look, you can Google new coronavirus guidelines, CDC, and they'll pop right up. Um, So it's easy to find. But fully vaccinated people can visit with other fully vaccinated people indoors without wearing a mask or physical distancing. That's huge. I mean, it's a huge, huge thing. It's like, I assume everybody was already doing that, right? I, like I think you, vaccinated people were probably doing yeah, that. Um, that's why I got vaccinated. Oh, come on. Well, that's not the only reason. But tell I me think what to do, CDC. You didn't get to tell me. The, as far as I'm concerned, the CDC doesn't get to tell me what to do anymore. As far as I'm, like, I'm I, outside. I'm extra legal. You know? I thought this other one was was a, was a bigger step. Visit with unvaccinated people from a single household who are at low risk for severe COVID nineteen disease indoors without wearing masks or physical distancing. Um, and refrain from quarantine and testing following a known exposure if asymptomatic. So those are the big changes. They, the, the rest of it is like, but also you should continue to, and then they go into like, when you're in public, you should still be wearing a mask and distancing and, and all the other things that they talk about. If you have symptoms, you should still get tested, blah, blah, blah. Do what your, what your boss says. If your boss says, I don't care, I want you to do this. You have to follow the instructions of your employer because um, the CDC doesn't get to trump your boss or whatever. But... Uh, I thought that that second one especially was intriguing um, because what this speaks to is our new understanding. What we kind of, like I have said all along, what we kind of predicted but are starting to see um, borne out in the data, which is that more than likely when you get the vaccine, whichever vaccine you get, Mm -hmm. and are fully vaccinated, you can't transmit COVID either. Now, that's not 100%. Right. But it is so unlikely that you would transmit COVID that you couple that with an unvaccinated person who is at low risk 
the risk of that entire situation becomes very low. And it's always important to remember that all these things we've talked about this whole past year is all risk management. It's not about saying 100% everyone's safe. It's about saying we think the risk of this situation is incredibly low, right? Because as we've talked about, the only no risk situation would have been if everybody locked themselves away in rooms completely alone for however long that took. Right. And that's not like a feasible thing for human society. So anyway, these, you know, I have been very critical of a lot of government-led efforts to uh, limit restrictions and that kind of thing. And I am still, I'm looking at you, Texas, highly critical of removing mask mandates There's right just now. no re- It's no, so scummy. It's, it's just so gross. Like, you're not hurting the economy by having masks in place. I, no. you're, you're just being a... Man, I wish we could curse on this show. But you're you being can't. a dingus. Yes. Well, people are going to get hurt because of yeah. that. And it's un- it, doesn't, it doesn't hurt you to wear a mask. And people will get hurt because others don't have to. And it's just that simple. But anyway... I, I do think that these guidelines, like if you read them, because what first came out is vaccinated people can, I mean, that's what I was seeing on Twitter. Vaccinated people can run through the streets naked, yeah. <laughs> screaming at the top of their lungs on mass. They're yeah. done. And that is not what the guidelines say. They're, they're still very restrictive. They're still very clear that like, you can't just go have a party. That's not what they're saying. They're saying that in very specific situations with people who've been vaccinated, there are some activities that they can engage in that probably they were. And if then, I'm unvaccinated, Sydney, I appreciate what you're saying. If I'm unvaccinated, I'm going to do whatever I want to. Tell if me you what, are vaccinated, you mean? If I'm vaccinated, yes, which I am, uh-huh. I'm going to do whatever I want. No, I wouldn't. I'm not advocating for that. Not yet. Just okay, but I'm me, and you're you, and you are technically I'm, the boss of me in a sense. I am, but I. I mean, I'm still going to wear a mask in public, right? Because that's a good. And they say that I'm still going to do that. But other than that, I'm going to, and I'm not going to go. I mean, there's stuff that is tougher because we've got the girls who are obviously not vaccinated. So that's mm-hmm. a, that's part a, of what a, I want to get into our challenge. kids. But other than that, I'm going to do whatever I want. CDC's not my boss. Tell me what well, I can't do now that I'm a vaccinated person out there living the life I want. Well, Justin, you you still need to wear a. They're right here. Wear a well well fitted mask and physical distance yeah, when you're in public. I'll do, I'll do that. Of course. Um, if you're visiting people who are at increased risk for severe COVID, you still need to wear a mask and, yeah, and I mean, do all that, that stuff. Do, okay, like physical distance, that. you still need to, you know, practice other prevention measures when you're visiting unvaccinated people from multiple households. So wear yeah. mask, physical distance. So if you're with like two families that are unvaccinated but low risk, but you're vaccinated, you still got to do all the old all the old stuff. Still nothing changes. Avoid medium and large size gatherings. You're done. Easy. Get tested if you have symptoms. Follow guidance from your boss. That's me. I'm your boss. Um. <laughs> Follow CDC and health department travel requirements recommendations. So, I mean, like, there's still a ton, but that's okay. This is the way it should happen. It should be gradual. It shouldn't be, we're done. COVID ended today. You can stop now. Like, you have to say six feet away from people? Well, it depends. Read the guidelines. In public, Yes. Yeah. Well, I do. I do that anyway. That's a slam dunk. Um, But I mean, like, if you stole that from me, if none of our couple friends are fully vaccinated, so I don't have anybody to like use as an example. But um, if they were, you and me could, as two vaccinated people, go to the house of two vaccinated people and not wear masks and not physically distance. 
Uh, so I think that was the biggest shift. And I have to say, like, uh, I, I'm not particularly critical of any of this. This makes sense. This is science based. This is where the science is pushing us. This is what we always thought we would say is that eventually once you're vaccinated, you're not going to be able to get or give COVID for the most part. Statistically, most likely you can't. And so it is okay for you to engage in activities of of your, that would be fine. Like that is what we thought would happen. We just, nothing happens immediately. It's always a gradual process and we have to take it slow so that we can pull back if things change. And this is a fluid situation where things can constantly change. These are reasonable. Removing a mask mandate. Come on. Ridiculous. Come on. Uh, I want to talk about some specific questions people have asked about some of the vaccines and then just some other random little COVID stuff. Okay. But before we do that, let's go to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared, all I got in two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. 
Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Hey, folks, it's me, James Arthur M., host of Minority Corner, your home through these wild times for weekly doses of pop culture, history, news, nerdy stuff, and more through a BIPOC queer and allied lens. I already took you back in time through one time machine. We're going back even further. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ooh, here we go. I'm holding on. I know it seems scary because now we're in the 1830s. I know. No, we I hold on. Like <laughs> Continuing along on the White People's Apology Tour, Justin Timberlake. That is Minority <laughs> Corner. Like having those difficult conversations, those necessary conversations. This is now the moment for, for, for white people to be rising up and going, this is our problem. So join me and some of your new BFFs every Friday here on Maximum Fun to stay informed, empowered, and have some fun. Minority Corner, because together we're the majority. All right, Sid, well, this is happening in the in the world of COVID. So the vaccines. So the big thing that happened. More recently in the U.S., not super recently, but more recently, is that the Johnson & Johnson or Janssen vaccine was approved. Okay. I remember that. That's we haven't one- talked about it. Oh, gosh. it's a, You and I talk about this stuff so much, mm-hmm. I forget what it is and isn't on the show. Uh, that's a one-shotter. Yes, that is a one-shotter. It's easier to store. It's older technology. It's at, We've talked about, I won't get into the weeds with all the tech because we've talked about it on the show before, but it's one of the adenovirus vector uh, vaccines. So they take a harmless cold virus that has been defanged, so to speak. Mm-hmm. They put the information in it to make the spike protein. And then you put that in your body and your cells use that information to make the spike protein, which is the same. That spike protein is the same focus of the Pfizer and the Moderna, the mRNA vaccines. We want our bodies to make the spike protein. So then our bodies learn how to fight the spike protein. So then when the spike protein on the coronavirus in the wild comes into your body, you go, ah, spike protein and kill it got it got it got it so that sort of technology and antivirus vector is not as new so to speak as the mrna technology although none of it as we've talked about is particularly new and it's all safe and very effective um this is exciting because it's one shot it's exciting because it's so much easier to store and transport you don't have to have the deep freeze stuff the really cold stuff that you do with the pfizer mm-hmm. and moderna so this is all great and uh most recently uh, the president has announced that we will have enough for everybody who wants it to get it by May 1st, I believe. That's what he says. So it should just it should just be willy-nilly by May 1st. Everybody can go get it, and hopefully everybody wants it. That means June, going to pop off. <laughs> um, the A lot of people have started to worry, well, what about how effective are these? How effective are these? Because if you look at... The data from the the Janssen, which I'd say the same for the AstraZeneca, and the same conversation happened in places, or Oxford vaccine, the same conversation happened in places where that was approved. Even It still has not been approved in the U.S. Come on. I, There's some story. Did you see some story at Denmark about AstraZeneca and blood clots? There was no increased risk is what it No, I know. That's, yeah. I just wanted to highlight yeah, that. Yeah, there's been a lot of misinformation that. out there about the Oxford vaccine. Like, strangely, it's been very targeted at that vaccine. And I'm trying not to have bias. It is the one that is in my that I put in my human body. Well, I didn't put in. I let them put in my human body and <laughs> is currently still protecting me. Um, and I would have no problem. Like, I think they should have it. We should have it here, too. Let's have more vaccines, more availability. Let's go. But... Um, 
if you try to compare, and this is something that's really important, if you start looking at the numbers from the Moderna and the Pfizer, and you start looking at the numbers from the AstraZeneca and you, or the Oxford, and you look at the numbers from the Janssen, uh, all of this, you'll start to say, well, some are better than others. Mm-hmm. Like you'll see these charts of percentages and like, well, that one was more protective than others. That is not how you can't do that. That's not science. This is important, Justin. I need you to look at me. Okay. Sorry. I was looking at the blood clot story that was unnerving. Okay. But it's fine. I know. Well, don't bring it up. It's misinformation. I was trying to figure out why it, well, how does that, how does that get to a point where people are like, we're going to stop using this vaccine? Like what, where did that come from? Is it just like a rumor mongering and then countries stop using it? Well, there ha- that has happened. Um, I mean, not that people stopped using it, but like, yes, that the, there were concerns with, I mean, we talked about that with infertility and the Pfizer vaccine. Right. Okay. Yes. And that was totally fake. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That it does not, none of the vaccines cause infertility. We have no evidence of that okay. whatsoever. Anyway, so this is really important. When you compare efficacy of all these different vaccines, you'll see these percentages and people are like, well, I want the Pfizer and Moderna because they look better. You can't do that. Here's why. Those percentages were derived from the studies that were done, right? The phase three trials that were right. done, which were done in different places and at different points during the pandemic. You are comparing apples and oranges and bananas and grapes and strawberries. You're not comparing the same things when you look at all these different vaccines. If, if one of these new variants was circulating, you're going to see different numbers. The Pfizer and Moderna trials were done largely before these new variants were circulating. If you look at the Janssen, a lot of the trials were done in places where there were a lot of the new variants. A lot of the participants got the new variants. The Janssen is Johnson & Johnson. Same thing. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. But... You can't compare those two. It's not the same thing. What you need to know, I'd say the take-home message from all these vaccines and everything that's been approved so far, they look incredibly safe. We have no reason to believe that outside of the initial, you know, symptoms that we've talked about that you can have from the immune response you get from the vaccine and the sore arm and whatnot, outside of those initial things, that there are no law, that there are no effects from these vaccines that are negative, that they are not dangerous in any way. Again, we have no reason to think there'd be any long-term health consequences because that's not really how vaccines work. We've talked about this on the show. Um, And all of them are very, very effective at preventing severe COVID disease, which means hospitalization also and death. They are incredibly effective at that, all of them. So that's what we want. Yeah. They're good. They work. They all are safe and effective. Whichever one shows up in your hometown, yeah. you should get it if you're eligible. If you see any vial with a needle in it, don't move into your field of view. No, don't. That's not. No. And like I said, there have been some some really intriguing studies. There was one out of Israel that on the Pfizer that shows not only are we protecting people who get the vaccine from COVID, but we're decreasing the transmission of COVID because we're seeing so we're seeing fewer and fewer people in general getting it, not just the vaccinated. But we are working towards that herd immunity, which tells us that the vaccines do prevent transmission. And that was the piece that we didn't know in the beginning that we knew we would learn. And we thought we knew what it would say, but you can't say until you do the study, until you look at the data. And that is where we're getting. So that's, I mean, this is all very positive. This is all very heartening. And when it comes to a lot of people have asked about the new variants, that's Mm -hmm. been the big concern, the new variants. Um, So far, the vaccines still look like they prevent 
severe disease and death from COVID. Right. um, Even with these new variants, obviously, we think they might decrease effectiveness somewhat, like they're a little tougher. None of them have been deadlier, just more transmissible. You, mm-hmm. it, you can get them more easily. Got it. So we're kind of, I mean, part of what we're doing now is is racing against them, right? You're trying to get everybody vaccinated. Yes. So we can't, yeah. Because if you protect enough people, these new variants don't have time to really get a foothold. And then at that point, we can re refigure. We can re uh, look back at our vaccines and see, okay, now for the next generation of them, do we need to make them specifically better against these new variants is there something we should do do we need a booster is it just that simple we just might need another booster of these all of this stuff we knew we didn't know going in we knew we wouldn't have all these answers going in we're learning them and adapting as we go and thank goodness you hear so much about it and that um when you read every time one of these new variants is announced to the public i guarantee you there were already research scientists in labs all over the country frantically testing vaccines against it before you heard about it Mm -hmm. like People are responding to this as we go. This is a coordinated global effort. It is changing, but people are on top of it as it changes. Right. Um, one thing I would I would highly recommend, you've probably heard of Dr. Kismikia Corbett, mm-hmm. who worked on the Moderna vaccine, one of the lead immunologists, vaccinologists who worked on the Moderna vaccine. I would highly recommend you follow her on Twitter at Kizzy PhD. K-I-Z-Z-Y-P-H-D. Uh, she is a great, I, I love her tweets, like sort of updates as new information comes out, the way that she explains it. And she's a great science communicator and obviously an incredible vaccinologist, immunologist. And um, I, that has been really helpful for me to like little bits of information that help me understand what's happening and not freak out when you yeah. hear something new. Some other questions specifically that people have asked. One is about, They've been using BMI as a way to assign who gets the vaccine or not, right? Right. If your BMI is above a certain level, if you qualify as um, obesity, Mm -hmm. then you are uh, higher on the list to get the vaccine because we consider you at higher risk for severe disease from COVID. And I've gotten a lot of questions about how, like, how does that play into the fact that the BMI is not a great measure? Yeah, yeah. Which is a great, and I mean, when people suggest we need to do a whole episode on the history of the BMI and why it's not a great measure, you're right, we do. Um, we just haven't done it yet, but uh, the, this is a tough one. We have seen that, I mean, you referenced it to me the other day, Justin, mm-hmm. that there have been, that there is some correlation. We don't know causation, but there is correlation between obesity and severe COVID. Mm-hmm. I'd say that there is a there are a lot of co- confounders that we would need to tease out of that, um, but it's enough that it it does make us think obesity is a risk factor for severe COVID disease, mm-hmm. and so I think based on that concept, putting people higher on the list to get vaccinated, you know, because of obesity, I think that makes sense, like from a scientific standpoint. But it doesn't change the fact that BMI is a crap measurement that we should have abandoned a long time ago right um it's not very it's not a very useful metric for anything other than insurance companies who are trying to decide like who can get bariatric surgery or who can have a sleep study or whatever and and like water intake calculators online yeah so i mean i agree wholeheartedly with everybody who's like why are we using the bmi bmi is stupid i agree with what you're saying you're not wrong um 
but I also don't think it's wrong to consider obesity when you are trying to make a list of who should get a COVID vaccine next. But I think both of those things can exist. Uh, but you're right about BMI and we should do an episode about it and will eventually. I never, I never want to promise next one because then stuff happens and we do something else, and, but we, we should do that. Mm. Another question I've gotten a lot about is um, COVID and painkillers. Why can you take Tylenol or ibuprofen or whatever your, you know, over-the-counter painkiller of choices uh, after but not before? Mm. Have you heard that? No. With the, the vaccine or with COVID? With the vaccine. Got it. Okay. Uh, sorry, I should have clarified. So we have had studies in the past that have, have suggested that um, – and the main – population where you see this is in the pediatric population uh parents will pre-medicate their kids with like tylenol before they come get their vaccines so that it's easier afterwards which is not i mean it's a good thought but then there was some concern are we by giving these medications to someone before a vaccine are we reducing their immune response that Mm -hmm. they can generate Mm -hmm. to it and there was some data that suggested possibly we haven't seen that effect when you take them after you get the vaccine okay but we have, it has been suggested that that could happen before. So the recommendation is don't pre-treat before a vaccine, but certainly if you have side effects from the vaccine, if you have, you know, soreness or whatever, you can take things after the vaccine. Um, and so I would, I would say that's just a good, that's just a good practice. I, I don't, I don't ever, generally speaking, I just don't recommend pre-treating because you don't know some people, sometimes you get a vaccine and you feel like I did after my second Oxford shot. I felt fine. I, I had no I felt fine both symptoms. times. A little bit of soreness in my arm. I had some soreness after the first one. Uh, I don't remember if I took ibuprofen after the first one, but I, I didn't need anything after the second one. So, um, But that's where that comes from. Uh, I had one interesting question that I've seen a lot of in some of my doctor mom groups. Can you pass immunity through your breast milk? Yeah. If you get the vaccine and you're breastfeeding, does, does it go? Does it pass through? <laughs> uh, we don't know is the short answer. Man, people never want to test on little kids. I know. We don't know. Uh, a lot of people, I thought. I think it's interesting. I've heard of anecdotally people doing antibody tests on their breast milk to mm-hmm. see if there are antibodies to COVID oh, that's in, funny. in their breast milk. And they found positive tests, which is interesting. So, so they're finding evidence that they got the vaccine, their body produced antibodies, and those antibodies did pass through to the breast milk. I Again, this is anecdotal, but I have seen people who have done this. Um the next question, though, is what happens when the baby ingests the breast milk? Do, do they absorb them into their bloodstream so that they actually have immunity, like passive immunity, or do you digest them? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we don't know any of that yet. So, I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. I guess. Maybe. I would. I, that would be great. Yeah. Um, I'm still nursing Cooper, so I would love to think that Cooper has Got a little. gotten a little passive immunity from me. Um, but, the, I mean, the short answer is we just don't know yet. It's theoretically possible. Kids are another big question that not only have, have we gotten emails about, but you and I have discussed it greatly. Yeah. Uh, that we're going to reach a period where all the adults who are eligible for a vaccine should or could have been vaccinated, right? right. What about kids? They're doing studies. Obviously, at some point, the vaccine will be offered to kids. I don't know how young that will go. Um, I've seen like down to twelve. Is I've there a seen point some. Which it, are the 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 serious reaction to COVID is so low where it becomes like kind of moot. <sighs> yes, that point that like certainly would exist. Get, every kid can get now. Obviously, we're vaccinated against the flu, so this isn't a good example. But like, 
we live with diseases that can sometimes have very serious complications for kids that we don't stop the world for. Like, will this eventually fall into that category, or are we? You think we'll go for like full uh, MMR like style I, eradication? I know what you're saying. I don't think we can answer that question fully until we understand more about COVID and kids. Early I mean, I in can the, make some guesses. If it oh well, I'm, I mean, a lot of people have. I mean, I think we know a lot more than we did in the beginning because, right in the beginning, they they said kids don't get it and kids don't, and even when they do, they don't get it bad. That was like the yeah, whole thing. And, they, and actually, their blood cures it, <laughs> so <laughs> kids are immune from COVID. Period. Yeah. And the, and then as as we've evolved with our understanding of COVID, we go well. No, kids do get it. Maybe there is a threshold, an age threshold, where transmission is less likely, but um. They still can get it, and absolutely. They can give it to each other. They can give it to adults. We know that now, um, whereas, I and I don't, well, I won't get into that. That was called into question in the beginning. We know that now. Um, we still think, obviously, kids don't, are not as likely to get severe COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's still true. We don't think they're as likely. But how unlikely are they? And are there long-term consequences for getting mild or moderate COVID, for kids we know that there can be for adults which will lead me into our next thing so like if our kids are getting mild or moderate disease well that's great they didn't maybe they never got hospitalized they never really had to maybe they just missed some school and then they're fine that's great but is there some sort of long-term thing that could result from that because if there is then that's just a serious yeah we just don't know all that yet we think it's not as bad for kids still I don't think as a parent that's not enough for me. No, right. Um, we're not we're not kicking it at Great Wolf Lodge or anything. No, which is going to leave us into lead us into this world where adults are safe generally. Yeah. Kids are not generally. Mm-hmm. What do we do? I mean, I hope that they rush these trials. I mean, I don't you know what I mean. I hope they start these trials. I don't mean rush them. I hope they start them soon. Um I know there are already some trials down to 12. I have read that they're going to start trials down to 6 months. Which I again I've said it on the show before. If I can find a trial that I can get my kids into, I, I would. Yeah, keep in a, a heartbeat. Out. Keep a lookout, listeners. If you yeah, hear anything, I, I would. Um, because at the end of the day, I'd prefer my kids didn't get COVID. Uh, I know that it is not as risky as someone who's older or who has other chronic medical conditions getting COVID, but I still would prefer they didn't. So I think I think that there's still a lot of gray area here, and it's going to be a lot of people deciding what their personal comfort level is as we move forward with allowing kids into the world. Hmm. Not so much. I think we're answering the question as to, like, you and I are vaccinated parents going out into the world and coming back to our children. I think we're learning is not dangerous. Right. I mean, we're still washing our hands and everything, and— I still strip down when I come back from doing medical stuff. But when we can let them go out into the world regularly, I still think that's going to be a big, giant question mark. Um, I, I, it'll be a while before you can safely take the masks off, I would say. Yeah. Uh, and that leads us into long COVID, which I thought I would end with because, one, so many people have asked us to do an episode. I can't, in good faith, do an episode on long COVID because we don't know enough yet. We are in the middle of learning about this. I could tell you general ideas Can of our understanding so far. What you mean by long COVID. by long COVID? People who have had COVID recovered from the acute disease, but still continue to suffer from um, either occasional or even persistent symptoms. So, not necessarily the the fevers or cough, but everything from like um, 
fatigue to headaches to brain fog to all kinds of things that have resulted um, since they had and recovered from the acute illness, COVID-19. I don't know. I mean, that's the short answer. There are clinics that have been designed, that have been like built, not physically built, you know what I mean? Experts have been brought together to create uh, long COVID clinics around the U.S. There aren't many, and I'm sure that that exists outside the U.S. To try to study this and understand what is happening, what are we looking at, and how can we best treat, manage, you know, maybe cure. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what we're talking about yet. Um, I am concerned about people like Gwyneth Paltrow taking advantage of this vacuum of knowledge. This is what I'm saying. That is what, because we don't understand fully what's happening, but I know we know something is happening because I can attest to this. Again, this is anecdotal, but I can attest to the fact that the last time I was running our inpatient service, we were frequently readmitting people who had COVID got better. And then something else has happened. This is not uncommon right now. So this is not something that just goes away in two weeks for, for some people. I mean, yes, of course, others it does. But there there is something that we're not, and we still don't understand it. We still don't know what's happening inside your body that's causing all this. And we don't know how best to address it. There are very smart doctor scientists studying this all over the country. Right. And I do think we will understand this entity better with time. But right now, we don't have like hard, fast, do this, do this, do this, you'll get better, no problem. If anybody's telling you they completely understand it and they have all the answers for you and also they or can the sell doctors, it for you. Or that the <laughs> sell doctors it to you. are ignoring you and not taking yeah, it seriously. No, we just don't like, understand it yet. Um, now, your doctor shouldn't ignore you. They should take you seriously. They should listen to all your symptoms. Um, and there are these clinics throughout the country to study this. Mm-hmm. But we just don't have answers yet. We're still in this like... But this sort of thing, that, that this atmosphere of like not knowing is just really fertile ground for, for charlatans. I mean, that's how that's how hydroxychloroquine became such a thing, right. right? Because you had so many people online echoing back to each other that the doctors won't give it to you, but it is. I've heard that from so many people who never had COVID, who never knew, not, they didn't even necessarily know anybody who had COVID, but they knew that doctors were keeping hydroxychloroquine from people, even though it saved lives. And that obviously wasn't true. So I do think that, yes, that that point is very worthy to make. And I, this is a perfect example of that, I guess, unfortunately, for, for Gwyneth Paltrow, because I don't want anybody to get sick or suffer. She has, she is a long COVID sufferer. She had COVID, got better, but then says she continues to have brain fog and fatigue and trouble concentrating, I think, are the are the symptoms she said she had, things like that. Anyway, she has consulted with someone to help her address it and is now on some sort of specific diet for it. Um, (laughs) Takes a lot of vitamins, uses a detoxifying powder, and then also has recommended things like a specific pair of shoes that she uses for hiking because exercise is so important. Um, and then there's a necklace that you can wear, I think, while you're hiking. Um, there's like a, an infrared sauna blanket. There's a serum. There's an acid peel. These things are very expensive too. I should I should note like everything. I'm uh, there's a price tag that comes with all these things, and she's promoting them, and I'm sure selling some of these things um, through Goop. Can't beat and, America, baby. America's uh, back. We're back. Can't beat America. Can't stop. Won't stop. 
Um, We're I, back. And that's, that concerns me because I, if all these things work for Gwyn- Gwyneth Paltrow, and goodness knows she has the means to afford them. Then they work. Well, no, then that's fine for her. If that is how she is, we've talked about there's no such thing as a detoxifying powder. You don't need to detox your body, your liver and kidneys do that for you. But if that is how she chooses to spend her hard-earned dollars and she feels better, I'm not going to come to her house and tell her to stop. But it does frustrate me that she's telling everybody else that she's cracked it and just do what she does. And then you too can be better. But I mean, it costs, I mean, altogether, this stuff is going to be thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very frustrating. And you're going to see a lot of that. You're going to see a lot of people who are going to tell you, oh, I know the doctors say they don't understand it, but I do, and here's the solution, and also it's going to cost you. And that is what worries me right now, yeah. is that is where we're, that we're, we're in that space. Um, I think that, unfortunately, we have to be satisfied, as we have for the whole past year, knowing that we don't know some things. We will. We will. We, We've, right we know so much more than we did a year. Look at this show versus one a year ago. We know so much yeah. more. We uh-huh. will understand long COVID and we will understand how to address the symptoms more effectively and how to help people who are suffering from it. We will understand those things. I know I know how to make a bunk bed now. We I do. didn't know that a year ago. Yes. That's episode. I'll just call it right there. That's episode. We're done uh, with COVID. No, mission, we're not done. Mission accomplished. We're Cindy's moving. unrolling a banner. It no. says mission accomplished. <laughs> we're moving in the right direction, Seems though. a little foolhardy to me, Sim, we're but moving. okay, you're the doctor. That is the difference between a year ago and now. A year ago, we were moving in the wrong direction, yeah. and now we're moving in the right direction. Um, let's just keep going there. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we uh, have a book. It's called The Sawbones Book. It's in paperback and hardback. You can go get it right now. Um, and uh, thanks to the taxpayers for the use of their song medicines as the intro and outro of our program. Thanks to you uh, for listening. Uh, that's going to do it for us for this week. So until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.